Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is a very special one that I've been fighting for a long time to have you here. His name is Oscar Massier, CEO at Force Manager. Oscar, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. Great being here with you. Finally, <laughs> we made it. <laughs> Exactly. So we have been waiting to accumulate even more stories to share with uh, the scale-up community, and we are very happy to finally have you here. So let's let's get to know more about yourself. And uh, for the ones who, who don't know Oscar Massier, who is Oscar, and and later, please also present Force Manager, of course. Well, uh, Mike, I've been I've been in the running force manager for the last ten years. So force manager is a big part of what I have right now. Uh, but before force manager, I, I had a career in sales. Uh, I, I my background as a as, as university student, I was uh, I, I did study nuclear engineering. So it didn't work a lot for me. It was not very useful in my in my career, but the, it gave me the the frameworks, you know, and 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 the ways to put things together, you know, and, and solve uh, complex problems. Because when it comes to solving problems in, in, in startups, you're scaling and, and everything, it's, it's, it's against you because you're doing things that have never been done. And probably it's the first time you do it. You have to solve very, very complex problems. So I think it's something that gave me this, this vision of problem solver, right? And well, uh, sales is my passion. Uh, I love sales, I love technology, and Forest Manager is the perfect combination of sales, technology, and helping people that in the end is what really moves me. Love it. Uh, it kind of shows the growth paradox and that those kind of skills of uh, loving to solve complex problems, it's very useful in a, in a startup and the scale-up um, context because things get tougher, not easier and the problems that come to our plates are bigger and bigger and bigger uh, as more success we experience which is kind of a counterintuitive but that's the reality right so if we are doing good in what we do the problems that are coming on our, our way are bigger and bigger and bigger and namely if we are also building great teams they are also so good that the, the only ones that will be filtered into our way will be the most complex. So. <laughs> Absolutely. But there, there is one thing, uh, uh, Mike, that I've learned uh, all those years, and I think it's something that everyone should have on their DNA is simplification, right? Uh, there is some people that they act against problems, making things even more complex. Uh, sometimes it's because they have an ego problem, so they want to show how intelligent they are, you know, solving problems that get bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's not very aligned with probably the, what, what everyone needs in the company. Uh, but the, the best the best talent is the guys that simplify the problem and make a big problem, a very complicated problem with a lot of variables simplified to two or three main variables. This is what really matters, simplification and getting to the essence of the problems. And this is very, very, very scarce resource right now in the talent community, <laughs> let's put it like this. I love it. It's kind if of you find it, it's gold, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Complexity is the enemy of execution and the enemy of scale. So absolutely. And, and, and I learned that, uh, Mike, uh, well, when I was uh, studying engineering, uh, and complexity in engineering means uh, more cost. And when you're building a building, a big building, or you're building a bridge, 
or you're being in a, a, a power uh, plant uh, that uses maybe, I don't know, a, a, a fusion, fission energy, whatever. Uh, in those cases, when you make it more complex, what is needed? And then you spend a lot of money and redundancy. Sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's bad because you have more ways for the system to fail, right? So complex systems, they are more fragile. And this is what everyone sees every day in the company, you know? When someone just had you know, the, the, the great idea of make something super complex, you know, and complicated with a lot of steps in the process, it's a very fragile process. But when someone with a clear mind designs a streamlined process, the process is the optimal process of complexity and it's super robust, right? So I think it's like, you know, super important message for everyone. If the solution is a complex solution, it's not the solution. That's my, my mind right. Love it, love it. As you know, we always discuss three critical ingredients to scale in the show. Uh, number one, radical focus. Number two, world-class leadership. Uh, number three, we are iterating from a culture of execution into execution operating system, because I think it uh, brings more clarity on what we usually discuss uh, under that topic. And leadership already includes team and culture because that, that's the role of leadership, right? It's to create that unique culture and unique team for each stage of growth. But let's start with the first one that is really linked with what we have just been discussing about complexity and simplification, which is radical focus. So uh, first thing, it's, it's very, very difficult to define a clear core customer and to understand the difference between doubling down on what works versus reinventing uh, the wheel. And this is really important to understand in order to scale the business. And also a combination of geography, size, and um, industry, each different, ver any variable that we change in that equation will bring a different business uh, into the table. So there are scale-ups that are uh, managing you know, 10, 12, 15 businesses, which is almost impossible for their stage of growth. And as I always love this, this quote, which is startups die of starvation and scale-ups die of indigestion. So what are some of the lessons learned around radical focus and the importance of having uh, as, as few businesses as possible in each stage of growth, doubling down and also on, on the core customer? What, what are some of your insights and lessons learned? Well, following the line of simplification, a radical focus is an exercise of simplification, indeed, right? And, and life is about uh, taking decisions, right? Uh, probably everyone here is, 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 is aligned with this and we all agree on this, right? And everything is about trade-offs. For instance, with my kids, uh, uh, when, when I go with them, you know, and they say, I want, to I want to buy this toy and the other toy, right? Uh, it doesn't matter if we have resources to buy the two toys. I always make them select one of them because they, I want them to start taking decisions and trade-offs because trade-offs are everywhere, right? You cannot be in two places at the same time. Uh, most of the time you cannot be in two markets at the same time uh, because you, are, you have scarce resources and those resources are not only economical resources, are your bandwidth resources as your, basically your, your ability to execute and your ability to, to pay attention to, to the problems, right? So for me, it's paramount uh, to simplify things, uh, as I was saying before, and, and on this line, uh, focus on, on number one, uh, markets, uh, number two, uh, products, uh, uh, and number three, uh, business models, right? Because sometimes we try to put different business models in the same company 
which drives everyone crazy and drives operation guys like Matt and things like this, right? So for me, it's it's, it's a matter of, of clarity and, and trying to simplify things. But uh, the reality, Mike, is that this is super hard to do, right? The theory, it's it's very easy. Everyone knows the theory. Uh, I've been explaining about this uh, of focus uh, since the beginning. I was, uh, I, I was starting force manager. Uh, when I was talking with investors, they were saying, you have to focus, you have to focus on something, you know? But my what I was saying at the time is like, um, I cannot focus on something because nothing works, you know? So, <laughs> uh, no, that's right. Because when, when, when you are at market fit stage, you cannot focus uh, because you need to try a lot of stuff, right? So you cannot focus because focusing, it means narrowing your opportunities and, and, and you need to try so many things, right? And in sometimes uh, in, in the company, you maybe you're losing a little bit your 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 product market fit and, and you need to go back to the early days to start trying different things with different intensity. But it means it doesn't mean that you are not gonna focus. It means that you are gonna uh, try different things as a process in mm-hmm. a controlled way, right? And and because sometimes people uh, uh, misunderstand this and they say, okay, we have to try a lot of stuff, right? So we have to be like spray and pray. Uh, with the shotgun, you know, shooting, you know, to see if we can find something, you know, in the way. And it's not this, it's having a process. Uh, I would say it's like an empirical process. It's like science, right? Putting different initiatives together, uh, have them in different buckets, for instance, initiatives that can be, you know, a long-term vision, initiatives that can be something that can do action in the following quarter, things like this. And then if they don't work, then you kill it, right? And this is the second part of the problem, you know, it's super complicated to kill things. And this is a learning process. And this is one of the most important lessons that I've learned in the last 10 years, to be able to kill things when they don't work, because it's the most complicated thing for an entrepreneur. Ourselves, entrepreneurs, we are like, you know, we think that everything is possible. That's the reason we start a venture because we are crazy, you know, by definition, <laughs> Some, somehow, right? So um, that's that's the most difficult exercise for us. And for me, uh, right, this is one subject that should be in every single career in college, you know, to learn to say no, you know, that's the most complicated thing. Exactly. I, I love that because it really requires to be detached from the business, right? And... And I think that's that's really having that capacity to have the connection and the passion about the business because it's it's kind of a, a kit for for the parents for the founders, but at the same time being a business owner or in a, um, kind of an investor, right? Thinking about your assets and and looking at it without being the the father of uh, of the business and this is a very difficult uh, exercise to do so it's it's normal right <laughs> yeah i think it's a good it's a good way to frame it right uh, to think on the different initiatives that you have in your company as startups you know that you want to invest in them or not uh, exactly. so this way you just detach a little bit on the emotional thing of the problem that it's a big part of the problem believe me <laughs> Uh, uh, and 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 you can think you know uh, in in an objective way like okay uh, if I have these resources in my fund uh, I have these different startups in in which of them I'm gonna invest the resources because I see I will get the higher leverage right and then you have to put the fun, the time frame right uh, if you need results and this is something that I've, I've learned the hard way right uh, when you have a, a short time frame because uh, in the next 
12 months, you you have to 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 be working on a funding uh, round or or an exit or whatever. Uh, so you have to put this into the equation, right? So uh, you need to find the, the initiatives, the startups that you're invested into that they're gonna drive the, the right results in the timeframe that you have, right? So I, I think that's a, it, it's a super good uh, framework to work this way uh, because it really helps you know, to take these decisions. Absolutely. I think that that's a great summary and a great point and one of my lessons learned in, in I'd say in the, in the last three uh, years, which is really that a scale-up is a portfolio of businesses and a portfolio of uh, typically one scale-up and one or two startups that are the bets for the mid stage or the long stage. Let's to make it a little bit more specific for the ones who are listening as it might be a geographical market or it might be an industry. So we know that we need to bring new avenues of growth, but those avenues of growth will not work on the short term, but it's, it's kind of creating momentum for the midterm after the next round, because if you start working on the midterm, when the midterm comes, it's too late, right? So again, going from five to 10, 10 to 20, when you are going from five to 10, there is already an execution mode how to get to 10, but it needs to be clear how you will get to 20. The same from one to five or five to 10. So if you start thinking now, I, when I will scale from five to 10, it's too late, right? So in terms of the speed that we want these companies to, to work. But moving to, to the second point and uh, more related with uh, assuring that we have the right people on the right seats for each stage of growth, we all know that going from one to five and five to 10, it's all about creating that revenue machine, right? And that revenue machine um, needs to be built by a, a team of at least four revenue seats. And I consider uh, not only the sales, CS, and marketing seats, but also the product seats. I think that those four seats need to really work together to build that predictable, repeatable, profitable, and scalable uh, revenue machine. And I know that product is something that really, uh, you, you care really uh, a lot about product, and product is becoming more and more important as we see the product-led growth kind of mindset coming uh, into motion. What are some of your lessons learned building this revenue machine and also putting product at the center? Well, the first one is thinking about revenue, right? <laughs> because it, it, the word explains everything. Because most of the times you start with sales team, customer success team, support team, uh, product team. So everything is disaggregated, you know, and the, it's like silos that are not connected to each other. Uh, and I think uh, every one of us, you know, CEOs of companies, uh, at some time, we found ourselves with this kind of organization, right? And it's and it's something that it's fine because when when you are starting and the company is small, uh, you have different leaders that they grow their different areas, right? And, and it's very common that you get some kind of disalignment between the different areas because you need okay. different level of focus. At the beginning, you need to be super focused on your business because you don't have customers to take care of, right? <laughs> so that's the reason that sales have a lot of protagonism at the time, right? A customer success, they need to get the lead super fast, right? Because it's super important. So customer success then starts to get in a lot of attention, right? And then support and then product and so on, right? So it's something that happens most of the times. But for me, it's it's one of the lessons that I learned uh, during Forest Manager is that having all those guys together, uh, coordinated and thinking on revenue, that is the most important part of the company because revenue is top line. 
it's, it's the yeah. biggest bottleneck that you have. If you can remedy, it's the biggest bottleneck for getting for getting the bottom of the line, right? So um, um, if you if if you connect, right, just think this way, okay? If you connect sales, okay, with customer success, with support, even with invoicing, with operations of the company, right? And mm-hmm. you connect with with product, so you can have everything connected. It has the busy circle that can really drive you to go to the next level, right? And and when everything is connected, everything moves in the same direction. For instance, you're uh, one of the things that happen, things that happened to me, you know, and 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 I see that it's very common talking with other entrepreneurs. As we we were developing a lot of stuff in product in the last three years, but it was not in the market. It, the, the machine is, was broken, you know, it was disconnected, right? We, developers were developing stuff. Uh, these things were not going to the market for whatever reason, because we didn't have a good connection between marketing and marketing and, and product. Uh, mm-hmm. Sales reps didn't know that these features were in the product. So the machine was broken, right? But right now there is a complete connection and, and it's it's a job that we did uh, in the last two years. It was, it was like a very hard thing, you know, to connect all the pieces together. But when you make everything work in the same direction, then is when the magic happens. And when I get a, a, a product manager that is saying, okay, I did this feature. Where is my revenue? This is where I say, okay, bam, we got it. Everyone should be thinking on revenue because revenue is the final result of everything that we do. If we do something that doesn't have an implication of revenue, probably we are not doing the right thing and we are not thinking on the right objective. Because revenue is when people are happy with you, they're going to upsell. When people are happy with you, they're going to buy more. Uh, when you do a great job in sales, people are going to be happy with you and they're going to buy. So revenue is the consequence of doing the right things. So you Absolutely. have to be always looking on that. And everyone in the team should be looking at this, right? Uh, and I would love everyone to have an OKR on revenue on their OKRs. Uh, I think that's, that's the right way to think about that. Absolutely. So sorry for my passion, uh, but it's, I live that right every day. Exactly. And this is something that I've learned the, the, the really the hard way. No, we love it. I think that's that's really the point and uh, and part of 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 the work that we are doing here and having this conversation is really to share with the community so we can uh, you can leverage some of these lessons and uh, avoid some of the mistakes that we all have been doing uh, over this uh, as you said it your 10 years and I'm also on, on on the scene for such a long time sometimes I feel that uh, I'm a dinosaur already in the ecosystem <laughs> <laughs> and always the guy that comes up with radical focus world-class team blah 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 but but that's the truth and sometimes I, I feel that this is even more important because I've seen the movies several times right and sometimes I get a little bit frustrated if I'm not able to communicate this to the ones who are seeing the movie for the first time because this will happen <laughs> but, but they they need to leave it by themselves, right? And having this distance and and uh, at this, at at one time at one side trying to help them to avoid, but at the same time respecting that their own life, their own professional career, their own decisions, and I need to respect that. Uh, it's it's wow. very very interesting. And one thing uh, to add here uh, is when when you are when when you don't have all the team thinking on the same thing is when you get these alignments. And I'm I'm going to give you several examples that probably mm-hmm. a lot of people will get you know. Uh, identified. Uh, 
first one is a product, right? Uh, oh yes, we, uh, we 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 did the OKRs this quarter. Uh, we delivered this product, this feature, this whatever. And what about the revenue? We didn't move the needle. Uh, it, it's a failure, complete failure. You guys failed. You selected the wrong features. You failed. Uh, you executed bad. You failed, and it didn't have the impact uh, that we were expecting. You failed, right? So um, if there is a revenue. It doesn't matter what we have done, right? We have only putting complexity into the system that it's bad because it's not generating revenue. If we do something that doesn't generate revenue, it's more complexity that we have to maintain. So it's not good, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter if you get into your OKRs, right? The OKRs were not well uh, defined for sure. Another example that uh, I, I was discuss discussing the other day with, uh, with a very good friend that it's a CEO of a SaaS company. Uh, they mm -hmm. are like 200 employees and we were discussing about the, the the sales part you know the the sales sdr you know the you know right the thing that everyone is discussing about uh, you guys do outbound yes how outbound 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 works, you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the thing about outbound you know that everyone does but uh, it not all the time works you know uh, and 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 he was saying okay I don't know what's going on but uh, we are selling you know we are really low and we are below budget uh, this quarter, so we are like really bad, you know, it's not good. Uh, and and I was like in my in my in my desk, you know, like thinking what we can do to raise the MRR because we are very short on the targets and so on. And I was hearing, you know, the 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 SDR team, you know, like yelling, "Wow, we did the target, That's super healthy," you know. What <laughs> <laughs> is going on? <laughs> These guys are super healthy, you know. And I'm like, you know, about to. To throw myself through the window, you know. So that's another, <laughs> that's another example of misalignment. You know, these guys are aligned of putting meetings, right? Uh, if you have, you don't have the system well designed, they're going to put bad quality meetings because they are incentivated by volume, right? So they are not aligned with the company. Your company needs revenue. You don't need you, you don't need meetings. You need revenue, right? So that's the that, that's another example, you know. <laughs> that's that's it was a, a funny one, one but I, I've seen that myself as well. <laughs> That's a very good one. And it kind of shows the, the complexity. And we see this a lot in football. That's why I love now to do analogies with, with football uh, in the sense that you can, have, you can have the right people on the right seats. You can have the stars there. But if they don't work as a team and if they are not aligned in the same direction as you are saying, so you can be the best one booking meetings. You can be the best one shipping features. You can be the best one solving tickets, uh, support tickets, whatever it is. You can be the best one bringing MQLs. But at the end of the day, if there is not a machine, if there is no revenue, as you are saying, you can have the best ones on their fields, but there is no team. It, it makes me think about some of the teams of Real Madrid or Barcelona that you have amazing stars, but there was no team. There was no chemistry. There was no alignment. There was no, no spirit. There was no kind of... Um, the capacity to face adversity and uh, be able to grow as a team on those moments of temptation, right? Yeah, I think it's something very common uh, and it happens most of the times uh, in the first version of your executive committee, right? Because most of startups, they have first version, the second version. So it's something that it's, it's iterating, right? It's not a project, it's a process, Great right? Point. That it's happening over time and it's improving, right? And, and Sometimes uh, when, when you have people there that they can be super good, super good uh, individual contributors, or maybe they can be super good and super specialist on their areas and, and do a brilliant job. 
but they don't have what I call a, a spreading view of things, right? So they don't see, you know, things that are not in front of them. And, and, and they don't have kind of political skills, right? Uh, is when things get really, really, really bad. You know, when the company gets over 50 employees is when you need managers that can work together, right? Yeah. So um, before 50 employees, it's fine, you know, to have managers that can like go like hell, you know, and, and make things happen, you know, and move fast, right? But when you have big teams, then this generates a lot of decoordination and then the benefits of these things that can go like initiatives that can go very fast in in the, in the long term they decoordinate everything and they generate a big mess right that you then have to fix so um, you need managers that can work together right uh, so when everyone is coming to me with an initiative that it's not been uh, it's not been uh, cooked with other members of the executive committee uh, i see this is something that's going to work and I see that this manager has a problem because he didn't understand that he needs to work with the other members of the leadership team of the company to make the initiative to move forward. All initiatives that are relevant, they need other members yeah. of their function involved somehow, right? So you need to align people. If you don't know how to align other managers, then you have a problem. You cannot be a, a leadership in a leadership position. Right? right, and th this happens most of the times, right? Because there are like different levels, right? The first level is you are a great individual contributor, thumbs up, incredible. You know, you are five employees in the company. You need people like this, you know, like they work like crazy. You know, they move things. You know, whatever it takes. Then you have managers that can manage their team uh, in in amazing way and take the best of them. This is, but then you need managers that can work with other managers, right? And this is exactly. the next level, and not everyone can do that, right? And Absolutely. then you find people that they think on their own interest, that it's absolutely fine, right? And you have to think on your own interest because you have your professional career and so on. But the best way to improve your, your career is to make the company successful, right? Absolutely. So if you're, you're thinking on making the company successful and make the whole leadership team successful, you are thinking the right way. If you are thinking of making yourself successful, then uh, it's something that's gonna work, right? So this kind of misalignments is what really happens. Uh, and it's natural. I've seen that so many times in so many startups and it's it's a matter of when the company grows, uh, this misalignment happen and sometimes you need to find different, uh, different levels or different layers of, of executives, right? But it's Absolutely. the different times of the company, you know, as the company evolves. Absolutely. And for sure, Mike, just uh, getting, you know, again, to the point, um, if you want to go to the next level, you need a team that work together, they cook all the initiatives together, uh, they move things uh, in coordination, and they, all of them, are looking into the same direction. And they feel that they are a team, and they support them, uh, each other, and mm -hmm. they behave like, like this as a team. Absolutely. Love it. It's kind of having those skills of managing up, managing down and managing laterally, right? And usually Absolutely. managing laterally is, is the most uh, complex uh, skill at, at this stage and also avoiding the superhero syndrome. So it's, it's always easier to blame the CEO, but we can also see the superhero syndrome across 
even individual contributors and all the VP positions and all the leaders positions, right? So we all need to work on this to avoid the superhero syndrome. Because again, as you were saying, we don't do anything alone. And especially at this stage of scale of the companies, uh, we need teams to make things happen. And we might be special and we are all special as members of the team, but we are a member of the team. So if, if we don't have the team, we will not get there because it, it's not something for just a person. Right? And, and this is related with what you said about the ego. Yeah, that, that's right. And probably, Mike, it happens because the first employees, the ones that build the first version of the company, uh, the initial traction, most of them, they have entrepreneurial mindset, right? So they, they can be CEOs, right? right? Yeah, they, 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 are have, they have a bunch of, of crazy guys that can be CEOs by themselves, you know, working together and trying to move the company forward. And sometimes these guys, uh, they don't have, you know, the, 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 the operative system, you know, uh, wired in a way that they can work with other uh, leaders, you know? Uh, awesome. So this is this is this is very common, right? Uh, but again, you need this kind of talent at the beginning. That, that's awesome. a difficult thing of startups. You need this kind of talent because these guys are gold when you start. Uh, this kind of talent is, is crazy. You need this this energy of the nature, you know, moving forward. But when you get bigger, you need other kind of energy, right? Okay. So this is the change from one to the other. Not everyone can do this change. It's very difficult. You have to redesign your, your yourself. And sometimes it's possible. I've seen good examples of people that can keep growing, you know, yeah. but sometimes they can't. And it's not bad. It's basically that they are like exactly. super brilliant in one stage of the company and maybe in other stages, well, uh, it's, it's better for others. The same thing, absolutely the same thing happened with CEOs, same thing. They are good CEOs for stages of the company and that they are not good at the different level uh, and, and vice versa, it's the same. Absolutely. And I think that that's why, first, it is really important to, and this is too much information for first-time founders and, and first-time CEOs, right? It's, it's so many things that we need to learn, the fundraising process, how to build a revenue machine, what to track, how to hire, how to recruit, how to retain, what is the right people for the right position, how to make a team. So it's, it's overwhelming. It's super, super hard, let's be honest, right? And um, not forget what I, what I wanted to say, but that's fine. So <laughs> I don't think, uh, as important as it should be. But moving to, to number three, the execution operating system. Um, I know that you are uh, that you have transitioned to a remote first company, and of course your operating system is also very uh, is very well matured at this stage in order to uh, make it possible to adopt a remote first uh, kind of setup. So, what what have been some of the lessons learned with uh, with the pandemic and so on in terms of moving into remote and uh, anything that you would like to share there? Well, for me, it's been, you know, it, it's been a revolution <laughs> because I was the typical manager that was like, okay, I want everyone, I want to see everyone, you know, uh, every day, you know, to see what you're doing. So I was like this kind of micromanager. <laughs> uh, I admitted I was one of them. Um, and I remember I, my my VP of people that probably will 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 hear this this podcast. She was like all the time, Oscar, you have to trust more in people. You know, we need to give them freedom. You know, to work from home. And like, the hell, I want them to work here. I don't, <laughs> I don't want them to get distracted with those start things like this, right? So I, I was absolutely against remote working. 
Like I was absolutely against. So when everything started, the pandemic started, I was like shocked. Like, what the hell is going to happen now, right? But the good news is that um, uh, we were establishing the the, the privilege system of the company uh, two years ago. So uh, things were very mature and we had a lot of means to to manage people uh, based on what we need them to do. Uh, when I mean results, this is what everyone say, okay, we have OKRs, things. Okay, having OKRs and all those things is basically a way to measure the performance of people on things that you want them to do, right? That it's aligned with the strategy and the movement of the company, right? That That's it. So you don't have to be all the time, you know, uh, pinging them or checking in what the hell they are doing. You know that they are doing what they have to do because they, they, they have the right results and they are moving in the direction the company is moving. So that's the thing. So if you have the creative system that works for this, you don't have to worry about uh, people going home, right? So this is what I learned very fast. So we have the predictive system and it's working. People is working from home. Everything is working fine. We have the OKRs. We have uh, the only thing that we did at the time is we reduced the cadence of the OKRs. Uh, we start uh, implementing OKRs every month because we need to, to get uh, a, a closer pulse on, uh, get the finger on the pulse of, of the execution, you know, being closer to the execution. And, and we reduced all the, all the cadences of everything, right? For instance, we right. were doing all hands every 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 two months right and we started doing all hands every week yeah it's incredible now that there is no constraint of moving people from one place to the other and all those hassles that you have when you are dealing with the real world now it's like you know clicking and getting into conference call uh, we do it every week we have all hands every week uh, we have executive meetings every day at nine incredible. nine a.m we have an executive meeting so all the executive committee a VP of people, a sales, marketing, and everyone is there, right? Every mm-hmm. every single day. And finally, we changed a little bit. We, we defined Friday, Wednesday, sorry, Wednesday, the, the day without eternal meetings. So everyone can get, you know, and get 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 through through the things that they have uh, over the table, right? Because uh, otherwise you're, you're stuck all the day in meetings that meetings. never end. And we have learned how to reduce the amount of meetings, right? Because uh, at the beginning of the Great pandemic, point. when we moved to fully remote, it was like crazy. I was stuck in, in, in video calls all the day uh, because we were like trying to reproduce the same old system uh, on, on the screen and it doesn't work. So we learned how to decouple things, you know, in time, what it's called now work asynchronously. And we are moving everything asynchronously. I'm a super, super believer on, on, on videos. Uh, I'm sending looms. I use Loom, but you can use other tools there. I'm sending mm-hmm. looms every day. Uh, a lot of people that work for me with me, they, they are like, you know, crazy, you know, receiving looms. I do like eight or nine looms every day. Uh, and it's a great way to communicate, right? And they reply with a loom. And if we have like two interactions with looms and we don't find a solution, then we jump into a call, right? So that's that's a way, you know, to, to work asynchronously so we can do a lot of stuff, you know, and get things done without the need of, of, of getting to a meeting, right? And meetings are a super scarce resource and they're gold, right? So you have to manage this way. So you cannot work in meetings. That's another thing that I have, you know, like, a, you know, a, a spread across the company. Everyone knows that meetings are not for working. Meetings are for coordination. All the hard work should be done before the meeting and should be done asynchronously. So you cannot go to a meeting, hey, what's up guys, what we have for today? No, you need to have everything prepared. 
and everything coordinated with your peers asynchronously. And when you get to the meeting, we go directly to the blockers, right? And the coordination issues, not the work. The work has to be done before. And for this, for instance, we work with Asana. Asana is a great tool. Uh, we have all the projects that uh, that we are working on in Asana. So uh, all the asynchronous part is managed uh, through Asana and, and, and asynchronous videos. And then we keep the meetings for coordination or maybe for chatting because uh, you need to keep, you That's know, having this, yeah. this relation, you know. But Absolutely. the work should be everyone in their house, in their setup, because now everyone, they have like great setups. I have an amazing setup here. I have like uh, three screens, you know, a great table. I put my LED lights here. Um, it's amazing. I, I, I've never been as comfortable as I am here in my, in my, in my, in my house, you know. That's <laughs> I'm more productive. And we keep the office, we keep the office for kickoffs, gatherings, and uh, whenever anyone can work uh, in, in, in the office. But the office is basically the, the exception. Everyone should be working home. Uh, we have all of us great setups, uh, but when you want to meet each other or you need to work uh, shoulder by shoulder with someone of your team, then you go to the office and, and you, can, you can be there. And being at the office, it's not a way to work because you should, you, you have a better place to work in your house, right? Exactly. Uh, being at the office is the experience of meeting your peers, having a coffee. It's a coffee so shop. That's the reason our, our office is not an office anymore. It's a bar. It's a bar. Or, exactly. We are a Spanish company, right? so uh, bars, it's very deep in our culture, right? <laughs> so uh, the office is not an office, it's called Force Bar, the Force Manager Bar. And it's a bar, it's like, it's a bar with the tables, coffee machine and everything. So uh, you can go there to work. I love working in bars. I've been working in Starbucks in the last 10 years, you know, when I was uh, going around. And I think it's a, it's a great ambient and mood for, you know, uh, talking about ideas, you know, brainstorming and coordination and things like that. Absolutely. Love, amazing tips for the ones who are still transitioning to a remote environment or so testing out. Uh, I think there are amazing tips here shared by Oscar. Thank you, Oscar. And going to our last question, because time flies and I, I feel that we should be here at least for two or three hours, but <laughs> we need to wait for another uh, episode. So what advice would you offer to your younger self? So if you, went up, if you would have the opportunity to have that coffee with Oscar at Force Manager Bar in the, in the day one of Force Manager, what advice would you tell to your uh, younger self? Good question, Mike. It's a good question. Well, I have so many things, you know, probably I would have like a long conversation uh, with, with that Oscar, uh, probably uh, maybe like three hours conversation at least. But probably the most important thing that I've learned, um, can I say two, Mike? Of course. Okay. <laughs> I give you permission. Uh, because, uh, <laughs> I have like 10, okay? But, but I think those two, uh, if... I learned that before, probably uh, it would change a lot, uh, a lot of things, right? The first one is hiding. Hiding is absolutely paramount. It's the most important thing that you can do. Absolutely, 100%. You have to learn how to hire. It's not something that you can do by gut feeling. It's a science. You need to learn, guys, please do it, okay? 
there is a great, uh, there are a lot of books on, on how to learn, how to interview someone, because at the beginning you will not have a VP of people or whatever. So you need to, and, and you need all the, the important positions have to do it yourself, right? Uh, any, anyhow. So first learn how to hire, be super, super hard checking references, absolutely hard. If you see something that doesn't look like, mm, no, no, okay. Okay, yeah, he's a nice guy, but sometimes he gets a little bit distracted. He's a fucking disaster, for sure. It's like <laughs> 1,000 times worse one than the other guy is telling, okay? Always happen the same, right? This is one thing, okay? Uh, there is a book for this uh, that uh, I don't remember how it's called. Uh, I've learned, I, I've, I've read that like three times. Uh, it, uh, I think it's who, W H O, uh, that that it's a great book for learning how to 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 hire A players, right? You deserve A players, and you need A players, otherwise you are not going to go where you want to go. That's one thing, right? Hiring, absolutely important, right? And then another thing that I've learned is to kill things uh, as soon as possible, things that doesn't work. Why? Because uh, entrepreneurs, sorry, am I, someone is calling me and, and I, I thought I was like putting this on mute, but I didn't. No worries at all. The thing is I have the phone, I have the, 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 the smartwatch, I have everything, you know? Exactly, it's yeah. like, all is connected. Like, like crazy, you know? Everything is connected. So and, and finally, the, the, the last thing is, is killing things before uh, they get nasty, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Kill things on time. Um, and you have to be a good loser, right? Uh, when you lose, uh, you have to be a good loser. That's a, that's a big lesson. And, and I think mm -hmm. it, it's for all the aspects of, the, of, of life, right? Great point. Uh, when things don't work, you have to kill them. If you keep prolonging things, then it's when things get nasty and, and everything gets like a mess, right? And it's very related to saying no, right? You have mm -hmm. to be, uh, you have to practice. You know, you have to see yourself in front of the of the mirror and say no. You have to say no. Nothing happens, you know. And you have to kill things. It doesn't work. We kill it, right? And that's it. Uh, it's the best thing for you. It's the best thing for for the other guy probably because there is someone involved in the initiative. It's the best thing for everyone, mm -hmm. right? But prolonging things in the future that don't work. It's a big mess. And this is something that it's a common problem of all entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs, we are crazy. We think that everything is possible. Uh, we are like trying everything as hard as possible and to bring it to the limit because it's it's another entrepreneurial skill. But uh, we don't have to be, you know, uh, getting invested, investing in times that doesn't work, in things that doesn't work. That's the worst mistake. Just to Mike, uh, I, I love it to simplify it, eh? but I have like 10 or more. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really curious because these two were so good that uh, we, need, we need to cover those in another uh, episode. So, Oscar, thank you so much. Thank you so much for making the time. It was really a pleasure to host you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me here. And uh, I'm super fan of your podcast, I, I love it. Uh, every time I go for thank running, you. you know, I hear you. And, and thanks for, for, for all these things that you are doing for the community. Thank you, Oscar. And to you, we keep bringing you the best of the best. I'm sure that you have enjoyed a lot this episode with Oscar Massier, CEO at Force Manager. And see you soon and keep scaling. <laughs>